0: Hey guys, welcome back into the Corked Up podcast here on Two Cents Pause, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube. I don't know where Frank puts us, but uh, we're everywhere. Um, this is the 17th episode, unbelievably so. Uh, I am Jack Savio, and he is Frank Neris. Uh, Frank just had a birthday, so everyone, you know, happy birthday, Frankie. Thank you. Happy birthday. You. Um So, yeah, we uh, we got some stuff to talk about, Frank. Uh, We are already into the football season, sort of, kind of, maybe Um, preseason week one, technically, even though I guess it's technically week two with the Hall of Fame game and everything um, has come and gone. So uh, Frank and I are going to share our thoughts about week one in general, um, but specifically, of course, the Bears. We'll do a little bit of that in the second half of today's show. Um, and then we do want to get into our Bears breakdown, of course, per usual. Uh, this week, we're talking special teams. Uh, so that includes kicking situation, which I know a lot of people have been asking us to t- to cover, Frank. Uh, punter, long snapper, kick returner, and punt returner as well. Um, and then we're going to continue with the top five favorite players. This week, we are starting the NFC East with the Cowboys and the Eagles. Uh, so we'll get into that in the second half to close out the show. Um, the first half though, uh, Frank and I wanted to start a little Cubs because there was a little, little uh, some some news that happened um, uh, regarding Joe Madden and his contract status, uh, and then uh, we will talk, like I mentioned, a little little uh, NFL preseason week one. Um, but first of all, Frank, happy birthday! How you doing? Thank you. Uh, I'm doing good.
1: I'm doing really good. I'm excited for episode 17. 20 is on the horizon. I'm just excited for football. The Cubs have been very frustrating to watch. And I think every Bears fan has some pretty high hopes this season. So I'm just, I'm ready for football season to be in full effect.
0: Well, I'm going to ask you to hold your horses there. Uh, yeah. cause we are going to yep. start a little baseball. I'm sorry to our listeners who yell at Frank. <laughs> um, baseball is a great sport and I don't care what you guys say. Um, uh, basketball's <laughs> stupid. Um, uh, no, but, uh, and Frank, you know, actually the uh, the MLB schedule and uh, for 2020 came out and as did the uh, NBA season for this year, the schedule came out. So maybe next week we'll talk a little about that, find some games that we find interesting with the Bulls, um, maybe some Cubs talk as well. But I know you really wanted to kind of minimize that today because of how frustrated you've been recently. And that's totally fine with me. But, um, you know, the one thing that that did happen pretty recently is Joe Mann talking about his contract status. Uh, he was asked about, you know, what, if there's been any, you know, any, any movement towards that, are they going to talk about, have they been having conversations? What's that sort of looked like? And he, he did answer and he said, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I, I expect to be here in 2020. Um, I think I deserve to be here essentially. Uh, and then there was that report that came out that, uh, front office was pissed off at Joe Madden for saying that. And then. Jed Hoyer came out and was like, no, that's, that's not true. Like he taught, he answered a question. He was asked. We're totally fine with it. Not who, like who cares really? Um, but I I was a little surprised that Madden feels so confident that he will be back in 2020. Um, you know, Frank, what did you think of the comments? Uh, do you believe he will be back in 2020?
1: Um, I mean, for me, he got asked a question and he answered it. And there was a lot of truth to his answer. I think he has every right to feel like he does deserve to be back. Um, that being said, I, if, if we don't make a deep playoff run, and even if we do, it's really going to be an eye test at, at certain points. Um, but I, I don't think, because my prediction is that we're either, it's going to be a, we're going to miss the playoffs or a first round exit. I can't, this team just, to me does not have what it takes for a deep, unless we get astronomically hot in the last, what, six weeks seven weeks of the season this team just doesn't feel like they have it so I can't imagine that he's brought back um when you when you think about the I don't want to call them complaints but just reports that came out before the season where players kind of went to him and said hey we get you like to you know plug in play us places but we would like to know more in advance and like things have been a little bit more nitpicky on him um and when you hear that initial report that the Cubs front office is pissed off that he made those comments to me, they're, they're looking for reasons, I think, to get rid of him. Uh, if another World Series happens, great. That's just going to be tougher for them to get rid of him. But something's up, and I, I think there's some sort of disconnect, whether it's from a philosophical standpoint or maybe they just feel like Joe has run his course with this roster and they need some fresh blood in there. But I, I can't imagine. If I had to put a percentage to it, I think it's a 10% chance that he comes back for 2020.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really uh, really you know smart in-depth take um regarding his status and I, I i agree with it and i think a large part of it it might just be it might be better for both parties to move on um yeah. i think even if he does get this team to a world series and they do somehow win you know pull it out and win against uh an astros team that is just unbelievably good right now and just got even better with zach Greinke, or they beat the yankees who are just it doesn't matter what injuries come up that it doesn't stop them from from winning um you know, or or they beat the Indians again, and who's who just come up taken a life of their own right now and have, and have gone on that streak that you just kind of mentioned. Um, forget the a l for a second. I mean, even in the NL, I, I can't see them getting past the Dodgers with Clayton Kershaw kind of pitching back to form right now after you know a few years of injuries, and he's he looks amazing again. Yeah. Um, Walker Bueller, they have Ryu pitching really well. Um, you know, even in the NL East, it's the Braves are just a much better team right now. Um, now, that's not to say that the Cubs can't get hot. The, I think the talent is there. Uh, but the rotation makes me nervous. I mean, yeah, right now, you almost have to look at it as your top three guys going into a playoff series would be Kyle Hendricks, um, Jose Quintana and you Darvish, because those three have pitched the best out of Cole Hamels and John Lester. But Does that really inspire a whole lot of confidence? I mean, Hendricks, I would trust to maybe be like a two or a three in a a playoff series. But as your ace, I just that that wouldn't inspire a lot of a lot of hope for me. Um, Plus this bullpen. Um, The reason I say it might just be better for both parties to separate is I feel like Cubs fans have really kind of unfairly criticized Joe Madden um, for a lot of things. His bullpen usage. I mean, what is he supposed to do right now? with yeah. what is like really what is he supposed to do? He's trying to figure things out, how to make things work. Um I think he's really tried everything and to your point, I think it's kind of maybe run its course a little bit here. Um and I think for Cubs fans, it would maybe it would be good to kind of take a step away and kind of be able to appreciate some of the things that he did for this team. Um right now it's just like his head is on a they want to just mount his head on a pike for some fucking reason, I, I can't understand. Um, oh, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, I think a lot of it has to do with, with them and just us being in the moment. And I'm not saying we have yeah. done that, but as years go by and you start to the, the 2016 team starts to be more of you know, uh, of a nostalgic team, instead of being so recent, um, he'll, he'll get his flowers. he, it's unfortunate that he is getting criticized the way that he is because he has done stuff that does deserve criticism, but he's being criticized for the wrong things. I kind of liken it to... Um, you know, a lot of the things that happen to Jay Cutler, like, he doesn't smile, he doesn't do this. Who cares? I just don't want him to fumble in the pocket when he gets yeah. hit. Like, I, I he can, They don't have to fucking smile. Like, the unfair criticism starts to overtake the fair criticism. It almost makes you have to take a side when realistically, I feel like I'm in the middle. Where it's like, yeah, I do enjoy him as a manager, but there are things I feel like he should do better or do differently. You know what I mean? It's not the yeah. it, it, it's it's not the bullpen usage. I mean. Wh- when fucking Wick is your best uh, option yeah. out there, like, what, what what are we supposed to do? You know what I mean? Like, it's not... Right. well has no. a, a 7 ERA for the first time in 15 years. Like, what the hell? Is Madden supposed to go out there and pitch his damn self? Like, what are, <laughs> what are, what are, what are we asking him to do here?
0: Right, and, and a lot of it, I feel like, um, you know, he, he does bring it on a little bit himself, though, when he, you yeah. know, he, he likes to... He wants to be the smartest guy in the room. Um, yeah. And him saying that fans don't understand bullpen usage is just, it's just not smart to say anymore uh, because fans have access to so much information that they never had before. Um, and it, it's, it's, I just, you can tell he's getting frustrated with the criticism that he's getting uh, because a lot of it isn't just him. A lot of it, it has to do with the fact that the management hasn't drafted very well pretty recently here. They haven't found those top prospects uh, that the Dodgers seem to always find for some, the Astros, Jordan Alvarez coming up and being one of the best rookie hitters of all time like in this <laughs> in the 50 game stretch I mean it's just like these teams that are always competitive same as the Cubs and yet they still find, manage to find and develop these guys who just came, seem to come out of nowhere um, we thought the Cubs may have been about that when you know w- when we were making those when Robel Garcia came up and was hitting a lot of home runs we're like oh you know this is what it's like to be the Cardinals David Bodie has kind of tapered off a a good amount since then Uh, Robel Garcia is back in triple a. So it's like, maybe we're a little jump the gun a little bit about saying that the Cubs were kind of on the Cardinals level in terms of player development um, all those years that they, they were so good. Um, And then I think the last point that I want to make is just, I I think, you know, the, the trend in baseball is to go cheaper when it comes to managers because teams don't really value those high price managers. Um, so I think in that sense, it makes the, it makes sense for the Cubs to kind of pull back and be like, all right, we, we want to, you know, we don't want to pay as, as much, we don't want to make Joe Madden the, the highest paid manager, which is what he would be if they, they signed him. Right. Um, but the last, the very, very last thing is Cubs fans who are dying for Joe Girardi to be the, the manager <laughs> for the Cubs, let it go. He's not a right, he's not the right fit for this team. If he was, I think the Cubs would have made their move for him by now, um, He's been a free agent for a while. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I don't see it. I, I don't think it would be a good fit. Um, other than that, I, I think I, I do agree with you, Frank. It's a very low percentage chance that Joe Madden's back.
1: Agreed. Agreed. And I think once the season's over, what, however it ends, we'll probably have a podcast. I wouldn't say dedicated because it's going to be football season at that point, but it will have a heavy dosage of Cubs talking about not just this season, but seasons past, things that have gone wrong, how we feel like they should move forward. Um, but analyzing where Joe Madden is, I think we said all we can say to this point. And 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 I, you know, um, I'm definitely ready to, to to move on to some NFL stuff here.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, if you guys think that Joe Madden will be back next year, if you don't think he will be back, of course, let us know on Twitter at Jack underscore Savio five at Frankie G Lyrical at Two Sons Pods, and of course at Corked Up Podcast on Twitter. Um, as Frank mentioned, we are going to go ahead and move forward uh, to the NFL preseason week one. Uh, Frank had some thoughts on some teams and some players. Um, I did as well. Uh, we have had some uh, some news with uh, Melvin Gordon, um, with Dak Prescott's contract situation, with Ezekiel Elliott, and all this good stuff as well. So, um, And uh, Frank, I think um, we should definitely probably talk about Antonio Brown, Mr. Big Chest. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's on the docket as well. losing his mind. Uh, but first Frank, I want to get your thoughts from the games. We'll start with the games and we'll kind of move on to the drama after that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I want to really implement moving forward, we didn't get a chance cause we just didn't have the podcast started, uh, in, in a timely fashion to do so. But I want to talk about just like my favorite prospects in college that are going to be drafted. Um, And I said that to say that Sam Darnold, I I was absolutely in love with him coming out of college. I, I just thought he could make every single throw. I thought he was the best quarterback out of that draft. Um, you know, Baker obviously did a lot to show you that he's, you know, maybe should have been the person that I felt that way about, but I certainly wasn't down on Baker. I just thought Darnold was a notch above him as a prospect. And, um, he looks good, man. He actually looks good tonight too. They're playing, uh, again, well, I I saw a little bit of it. He looked good from what I saw. I'm not sure if they took him out after the series, but he has the ability this year, you know, say what you will about Gase. I'm not high on him in the way he manages people, but that offensive system, I think he's going to be very efficient and put up big numbers this year, at least fantasy wise. Um, I looked around the league. I saw, uh, surprisingly impressed with Daniel Jones. Um, even, even with his combine numbers, you saw his combine numbers and it showed that he was a good athlete, but just on film, it still didn't feel that way. It felt to me like the numbers were like a DK Metcalf type of thing. It's like, yeah, you have this straight line speed, but there's no like athleticism to it. It's just, you know what I mean? Like combine, a workout warrior type of thing, but man, he looked good. I, I can't imagine Eli starts, more than three weeks. I, I just can't. Daniel Jones is the better quarterback. I'm comfortable saying that. Um so that was something I definitely took heed to. Um I was actually really excited with the, the game that James Washington had. Uh I think he has the ability to really claim that wide receiver two spot after Juju Smith Schuster. Yeah. Um I liked him coming out of college as well. Yeah, he's I someone did. we've yeah.
0: talked about on the show as well. Um uh, yeah. yeah. you know I think that's one of the questions you ask me going into training camp was who could potentially rise up to that second spot. And and that was both of the guys we that was the guy that we both said had the best shot um, yeah, yeah. was James Washington.
1: And, and he might be one of those guys, though, when you hear how well he's doing in training camp, it's kind of up and down. He just may be a game day type of dude. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like maybe in practice, it's not the best. The combine numbers aren't the best. But when it's time to play, he just has this it factor.
0: Well, you, you know, know a, a player, not, not even, you know, not the same position at all, but a player who was, who was like that. And, and, you know, a lot of Bears players and coaches have talked about this and including Charles Tillman, um, he talked about Lance Briggs being a guy like that, like who just yeah. practiced horribly, but when he got in the game, he was like just a different guy. And I think, and, you know, I, as much as I hate to say it, and, and he really wasn't a good quarterback, but there was just something to it was Tim Tebow where he was just a horrible practice guy. But in the game, it was just like, he was just gotten that groove. It's a little more serious. He doesn't have to, you know, plan anything out. He can kind of just go and play football. And I think there are those guys like that. So yeah, I I, I, I totally agree with what you're saying.
1: Last two things. Well, last couple things I should say that I really, you know, was impressed with um, Kyler Murray looked good. He looked very comfortable in that offense. He didn't have to make too many difficult throws, but I won't hold that against him. It's week one of the preseason, but I mean, he looked very accurate. Um, arm strength looks solid. That's not one of his, you know, huge strengths, but accuracy was definitely on point. He was hitting receivers right out of their breaks. I mean, just looked very comfortable. It looked like he had a rapport with these guys, uh, which is encouraging if you're high on Kyler Murray. Um, I liked what I saw out of Royce Freeman. I really think he can take that job from 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 Philip Lindsay this year in that backfield in Denver. I'm excited to, to keep track of that because he's had a chance to really make an impression on this new coaching staff with Lindsay being out most of the mini camps uh, with injury. And then last thing for me, I thought Ronald Jones looked good. I, I really think he can, if he has a good preseason. I mean, they're like begging him to take this spot. Like, we drafted you in the second round. Yeah. Like, dude, like, just take it. Like, dude, you know what he's, I mean? So he, he looks solid.
0: Yeah, he's in a better system. Bruce Arians just knows how to run an offense, just as long as he can stay healthy. I'm talking about Bruce Arians, of course, and stay on the sidelines. Um, I <laughs> right, think that right. offense will be in when will be in good shape, and that depends on James Winston as well. Um, kind of going, I'll, I'll kind of work backwards a little bit here. Um, I really think that the team that is most likely to make a Bears-like jump um, is the Broncos. From they, they could be that team that kind of improve plays much better than they did last year. Um, Joe Flacco is a, is a better quarterback than what they've had previously, um, yeah. pretty much since Peyton Manning left. Um, I think Phil Lindsay's is a good piece, but, um, you know, I, I do agree that Royce Freeman does look a little bit more natural in that position. Um, they have that defense. I think I like Vic Fangio as a defensive coordinator. I'm curious to Thanks. see how he is as a head coach. Um, I mean, D- Denver intrigues me for sure. Um, kind of still going back a little bit farther, uh, Daniel Jones. Uh, yeah, I don't really see how Eli Manning starts more than two games to be honest with you if any <laughs> games at all um, uh, Giants fans are probably gonna be calling for it if I mean it's gonna be much like what happened with the Bears where we're like, why the fuck is Mike Glennon starting like who why do we need to see Mike Glennon right. uh, you know give us Mitch I, I just can't really see. I just can't see that happening. I can't see Daniel Jones. He looked incredible. I know it's preseason week one and we got to pump the brakes because he is going against, um, you know, the the second string, third string, all of those guys. But with that being said, I I don't really understand how you can make the argument that Eli is a better starting quarterback at this time. I just that, that argument doesn't really work for me. Uh, I love Eli. Don't get me wrong, but it's just he just doesn't have it anymore. And he's you know, I I think it's time to move on. Um, and then the last point that you had made was Sam Darnold. Um, Frank, I love any red haired quarterback, uh, (laughs) um, but when he was at USC in the Rose bowl and he went off for like the 500 yards and five, like this kid is going to be incredible. Um, and I think he was kind of judged a little unfairly last year. Um, because of the lack of talent, he, he almost reminded me of, of the, of a similar, like you know, Jared Goff, Mitch Trubisky type situation where it's like the year one. They don't have anything to work with. Get him some weapons, kind of figure it out. And I think that's kind of what they've done. Um, Le'Veon Bell, obviously, that's a huge upgrade from from Chris Ivory and, you know, everything that they've had in the past. Um, So I think that'll be a good complimentary. And I do like their receivers. I like Robbie Anderson. I do, too. Um, I like Quincy Inouye. He's going to be good. He's got
1: to stay healthy. Quincy has to stay healthy. He can play.
0: Yeah, exactly. And they do have. And I mean, that defense, we've you know, it's an up and coming defense as well. Um, I think if there's any year that a team is going to beat the, the Patriots in the play in their own division, I think the, the Jets could be that team. Um, we'll see how Adam, Adam Gase handles uh, being a head coach because he is just he's an insane person. He's I mean, I, you shoot. see that video of the, the, the small the, the yeah. salts the smelling salts before the game. What the fuck was that?
1: <laughs> what know no, I, dude. He he's on cocaine. That's yes. what that is.
0: Yeah. I mean he's in the right place for it. That's you true. Know, with uh, with Broadway Joe running yeah. that as well, so not saying anything there. But uh, no, I liked Arnold. Um, I think he could. It's it's tough to say because I I I thought Baker was the number one QB. Um, I just like his personality and his talent kind of really fit well, especially in a yeah. place like Cleveland that needs it. They just have better overall players, especially on on offense, um, that will help Baker a lot. But overall, as a quarterback, I think you're probably right in saying that that Darnold could be the best of that class yeah. you know, down the road.
1: Well, the, the, the guys from that class, for me, that I saw as being franchise quarterbacks, and, and let's distinguish what franchise mean. it doesn't mean top five, top ten elite, it means someone you can win with, it's a guy who, you yeah. know. I mean, what would you say a franchise top 17, top 15, maybe
0: see that's. And that's the conversation that people have all the time where it's just like, where, where's that cutoff point? Yeah. Like franchise quarterbacks. I think right. it's a guy that that can win you games, um, maybe not always win because of him. But when when you need a gamer or a game or two, they could win one of those two games.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. And the three guys for me were were Baker, Darnold and Rosen. Um, I wasn't too high on Lamar just because his accuracy issues. Um, who was the other quarterback that got drafted that I'm blanking on in that same class?
0: Uh, I'm blanking too, Frankie. Help me well, out. There, here.
1: there was another, I, there was another one that I know I, I wasn't that high on and I can't think of who it was. Um, but I, I mean, if you want to look for that, the other point, you that know I I know. yeah, the other point that I did want to make to your, your Denver uh, point, people forget how good of a year Joe Flacco was having last season before he got hurt. Uh, I mean, he was on pace for 4,400 yards last year. Uh, I believe it was a back injury that he had before that. So it's like he was playing very, very well, completing 60, 61.2% of his passes. Like he looked good with yes. John Brown being his number one receiver. Like he, he looked really, really good. So I think if he can stay healthy with Denver, that gives them a chance to really let Drew Locke sit for a while. Cause I think he definitely, he's such a, such a raw prospect. He needs to sit for at least Josh a year. Allen.
0: Sorry. to Josh
1: Allen was the other one. Yes. I wasn't high on him either for the same exact reason as Lamar Jackson. He was just a taller version of Lamar Jackson to me. Like they were the same
0: quarterbacks, uh, athletic They're, runners who athletic guys, can't runners throw the ball more than two feet down the field.
1: Well, no, well that's the thing. Like they they have big arms. They just can't throw it accurately beyond like five or ten. And, yeah. and even then it's, it's, you know, like you, I, I almost trust their deep ball more than I trust their intermediate or short passes. Cause they're just going to air it out as far as they can. You know what I mean? And like, right. at that point you're just, you're hoping someone can get under the ball. Like Zay Jones can get under it for Josh Allen. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 excited for football, man. Uh, outside of the points that I made, did you did you notice anything or or anything yeah. across the league? Yeah, I I
0: uh, I noted that uh, that uh, the Redskins might be in some real trouble with with Dwayne Hoskins. Uh, he had a really bad first game. He uh, did did not and I was high on him. Defensive. Yeah, I mean, again, it, it's week one. It's the preseason. Right. It's it's not the end of the world, but when you're num- when you're first round quarterback is coming out looking poorly against second stringers and third stringers. That's not very good. Like yeah. you don't want to get too high when da- let's say Daniel Jones looked as good as he did, but, and you don't want to get as low on Dwayne Hoskins just because it's one game, but yeah, he struggled a lot, Frankie. Uh, not, uh, yeah. not, not looking too I know. good. Um, yeah. I, I think we kind of covered pretty much the the big stories from, from week one. There was, I mean, it was just nice having football back on TV. It was. I mean, was. And, and I liked I liked the way that they did it too, where it was like, oh, Thursday they have a couple games, Friday they have a couple games, Saturday, you know, like you could kind of yeah. space it out a little bit. So that was kind of nice. Um, Frank, there were some weird storylines happening the uh, since since our last uh, corked up podcast episode, specifically with, um, I, I I don't know if you want to start with Antonio Brown. Let's do of, it. It's the oldest I mean, story. I think it's else, fair to. Where else can you start? Um. So he goes into the cryogenic chamber uh, that a ton of people use, especially in sports, obviously. uh, But he doesn't wear the right foot protection and his feet get frostbitten. He's got blisters all over him. And then that you're like, man, like, what a weirdo. Like, why is he doing that? Um, And then you find out the weirdest story is that he's he's going crazy because he can't wear the helmet he wants to wear. Yeah. Uh, you know, he was, he had a, he had a hearing with the NFL. He's like, I want to wear my helmet. They're like, no, you can't because it's older. If it's older than 10 years, it's not safe enough to use. Right. Uh, he didn't, he stopped showing up to practice. Um, was t- telling people he might retire. Um, Frank, what did you think about this whole Antonio Brown saga? And, and like, how, what do you think the outcome is going to be?
1: Um. Well, the first part was um with, with the feet, for me, it was like it was either it, it was negligence somewhere. It was either on him or on the people who let him in without. And, and from what I've read, all you literally need to have is just a regular pair of socks on. It's, you don't need any sort of like super protection, because um, it's the actual platform that your foot goes on that needs to be, you know, separated because yeah. of the degree uh, or, or the temperature that it gets in there. Um, so that part was like, okay, that's weird, but whatever. But then with the helmet stuff, I mean, he's just being a complete diva. Yeah. Because and I thought that immediately. But then when I saw a report come out that he had a choice of 15 other newer model helmets and like four of which that were almost the exact replica of the one that he had. And I'm like, dude, come on, man. Like, what What are we really doing here, dude? Like, it's it's not that big of a deal, you know, and it's like you have other older players who are just like, yeah, we had to do it, too. Socks. I love my helmet. But it is what it is. Like, Brady said that, Um, another player came out and said, and it was just like, Antonio, man, like, I get it. You love all the attention that you can get, but like where the Raiders are right now as a franchise, like they don't, they, they need you to be hyping them up as a franchise, not being a super distraction in the headlines. Like you should be the ones you, you should be Derek Rose saying like, yeah, they're saying that the super teams are uh, us and the Patriots right now. Like hype up your team, just get into Raiders mode and let's go. Like we, Come on, dude, like it's 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 just a little too much for me. What what was your take on everything?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, well, what's interesting is that, you know, you, you're you're kind of you're you're like trying to delve into his mindset. and You're like, what is going like? But then you also remember, oh, wait a minute. Aren't the Raiders on hard knocks this right. year? And you're like, God damn, is it really just for hard knocks? Like, of course, you know, he's not going to retire over this. It's just, That's not going to happen. Um, But God damn, it's like you, you look at the Raiders and you're just like they have gotten in their way so much since hiring John Gruden. I mean, the first trading Cleo Mac, that's just, that's an, that, that enough should have gotten them fired to be honest with you. Um, and then saying as
1: like a, week four, like we don't have a pass rush and that's what yeah, we, like,
0: need. We, we really need to get that pass rush going. <laughs> yeah. You think so? <laughs> um, it's just for, for him, the, the helmet issue, I get it. Maybe he has OCD, you know, maybe he's just like, I need to wear this helmet. Right. Um, you know, it's possible, but you're right. He, he did have other opportunities. He did have other helmets that were presented to him like, OK, this is fine. I can wear this, whatever. Let's move on. My favorite was the. Um, he made a comment where he's like, oh, this is bullshit. Like QBs get to do whatever they want. Look at Rogers. Look at Brady. And then they, the Raiders staff literally sent him pictures of Rogers wearing the new helmet, of Brady <laughs> wearing the new helmet. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. He's just, he's just like, yeah. It's like, dude, it's just, it's so, it's so obnoxious. It's just like, I mean, Steelers fans have to be like jumping for joy, which is just really sad. It's like, he reminds me of T.O., where it's like, no fan base really wants to claim him as their own, even though he was one of the best receivers of all time. It's kind of happening with Antonio Brown, where it's yeah. just like, he was so big for the, for the, for the, for the Steelers, but now they're just like, so happy to be rid of him. It's it's yeah. crazy. Um, it's just such a weird story. I, I just very I, I, weird. We need to get out of the off season and get into the season. Once once we do, I think all this this nonsense will stop.
1: Agreed, agreed. Um, I know we uh the other off season story that we wanted to talk about. Well, one of them. Um, and I wanted to to move on to the Melvin Gordon situation because I think it's it's a much different conversation than the Dak Prescott one. Yeah. Um, so Melvin Gordon is holding out and is prepared to sit out the full season if he needs to, if he doesn't get the money that he wants. Um, And I think there are two things wrong with this strategy. One, you're not a free agent after this season. So it's like if they don't want to pay you, are you going to sit out two years? Like, Are you willing to do that? And then rack up all these fines so then you don't get paid basically for two years and then you go into your new contract in debt. You know what I mean? Like, um, or, Well, let me, so there's that portion of it, but then there's the other portion that it's like, you still have to prove yourself, man. Like for the first two years of your career, people were ready to call you a bust. You had one good year, which was last year. And if you really break down, you know, um, the year, it was a good year, but it, it, if you take away the touchdowns, which were insane, he had a lot of them just rushing and receiving. It wasn't it wasn't top tier. You know what I mean? Like touchdowns is what put him over that edge, but a lot of that, and and I hate to say, well, just take that away. You can't, he scored them. But a lot of that is situational. You know what I mean? If you watch games and Keenan Allen gets down to the five, they're going to feed the ball to Melvin Gordon. That's the best option at that point. You know what I mean? Like that's not you exactly doing anything immaculate. You're, you're doing good goal line work, but it's like, you haven't proven yourself for as long as Le'Veon Bell did. Le'Veon Bell was out here rushing for 7,000 yards and getting 5,000 receiving yards the same season. <laughs> like, he had every right to ask for big money. Like, right. when you break down Melvin Gordon's stat line, I just think it's a little asinine for him to not go into this season still feeling like he has to prove something. What do you think, you know, or, or well, what are your thoughts on it, and, and do you think he deserves the money that he's asking for?
0: Yeah, so it's definitely a multi, multi-tiered question, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll start here. Um, before not even talking, uh, Melvin Gordon specifically, but this idea that people who are are, are like, what basically what you're saying, Frank, where you're like, you're not, you shouldn't be asking for money. You should just go out and play. You got to prove yourself. There are people who will be like, oh, well, why are you taking the side? You should back the player. You should back. Why are you backing the own? It's like, No you're not backing the owner. You're not backing you. Why do we care about the player? Like, I don't care how much a player makes, especially in an era where, or, or especially in a league that's so constrained, constrained already about by, by, uh, by cap space where it's like, yeah, fans are obviously going to side with the team because eventually those players will leave. Like, yeah, the team will always be there. The, the people aren't loyal to players. And I think that's where, Outside people need to get it in their head, especially media members who are so the champions of the players. It's like you have to understand why people don't care about players contracts. They don't want to. If I'm a Chargers fan, I would be pissed off right now at Melvin Gordon. I don't care about his money. I don't care what he makes because as a fan, you're paying to see the team. You know, you're paying to support the team and you're you're on the Chargers are considered one of the best teams in football. Yeah. But now because of this contract situation, there's a lack of focus from that. And now they may go into their, their season less than full strength because of a guy who just wants his money, even though his contract isn't up. Like, I'm sorry, you're just not going to get people to feel bad for players who are making millions of dollars, regardless, even if it's $1 million, that's still more than a lot of people see ever. Yeah. So it's just like it's it's difficult to, to kind of straddle that line. But um, to your point about his performance, I don't think his performance has justified him asking for a new contract when his previous contract isn't up. Like, that's where this comes in. I mean, these players are happy to take the money when, it, when it's first available. But then one year, two years down the road, they're like, oh, well, now I deserve more. Well, it's like, no, but you signed this. And I get it on the other side where people are like, yeah, but teams cut people all the time. Yeah, but they're still paying that money. You don't just cut someone and be like, oh, yeah, I don't have to worry about that. Like you get a certain amount of guaranteed money and then you move on from there. Um, I don't really think of Melvin Gordon as a real household name. He went an entire season without scoring a touchdown as a running back in this day and age. Yeah, he did. I mean, seriously, like it's, it's just very asinine in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I think, well, to your first point, I'm okay with players asking for more money or a new contract when it's not up. I just think, like, you have to have a claim to actually deserve it. Like I And I just don't <laughs> think he deserves to be paid like a top-tier running back because he hasn't proven himself as such. You look at his stats, his rookie year was very underwhelming. 3.5 yards per carry. Second year, 3.9, well, th- second and third year, 3.9 yards per carry. Um, last year played 12 games, 5.1 yards per carry that that's, he's looked his best total stats didn't look great cause he got hurt, but it's like, dude, go into this year, do it again, stay healthy, then ask for your new contract. Even if you have seven years left, then you have earned it. You give us something more than that. He hasn't done much to, to, to really warrant that. Like, are we, are, right. is he, is he in the Le'Veon bell, Ezekiel Elliott? Um, I mean, even Saquon Barkley, like I I would put him like there. I I don't consider Melvin Gordon a top five running back and I'd have to really sit down to see if I'd make him a top 10 running back in the league. Right. So like, if they deserve it, I'm all for it. But to your overall point, um, I think the reason that we care, uh, especially in football is because there is a salary cap. So it's like, how much do we really want to delegate to the running back position? Absolutely. Because when you look at the LA chargers, They're in good hands with Austin Eckler and um, Justin Jackson. I would be 100% comfortable as a Chargers fan if Melvin Gordon sat out the year, and those are my two options. I think they would do a fine job taking his place. Maybe they don't give you the the, the explosiveness individually, but together, that's a really good one-two punch. Justin Jackson looked great um, in in his absence when he got hurt. Austin Eckler was doing really well when he was healthy. He was kind of the two-punch to Melvin's one. So it's like... He just hasn't earned it to that point. You know what I mean? I'll never tell someone to not ask for, I just asked for a raise at my job. Hell, you know what I mean? Like, right. But you but have to earn it though. You have to, like, it has to feel like you deserved it. Like I, I completely understood where Le'Veon Bell was coming from. He touched the ball 500 times a year. Yeah. Exactly. He did deserve
0: <laughs> more, money. you know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I don't, I don't want it to make it sound like, you know, I just, I, I don't agree that players should be asking to get, they should get paid while they can. I'm just saying for people who are, are like, are just dumbfounded by guys who are like, Oh, like who the fuck who cares right now? I don't care about his." Like you can care, but you also don't have to care if that makes right. sense. Like, right. I, I don't think you have to side with the player. And if you aren't siding with the player, that's not the same thing as siding with the owner you're siding with the team it's it's just it's very different and
1: i also think i also think i don't really take side i just like if i'm i'm at the exactly. age now and i understand that this is just a business yeah. so when people go in hoop like melvin gordon anyone has the right to ask for a raise and not give you their services if they don't feel like they're getting paid right cool do your thing i understand this is a business you know what i mean I, it, but if i'm asked my opinion on does someone deserve the money he's I, I, in this case, I just don't think he does it. If I'm the Cowboys, I'm making Ezekiel Elliott the highest paid back in the league because he's he's earned it. I want him, if that's what he wants, that's what he gets.
0: Speaking you know what of, I mean? Uh, like, Yeah, speaking of players who don't deserve the money that they're asking for, um, Dak Prescott, uh, who Lord. apparently turned down an offer for $30 million a year from the Cowboys, which already is, is pretty insane and enough if you think about it. That's like, that's, that's, I think that's the same amount as Matt Ryan. And if you are, if you ask me at any point, Matt Ryan or Dak Prescott, who would you take? I'm going Matt Ryan every single time. Um, Yeah. I, Dak Prescott is just very limited in what he can do. Uh, I do like him as a player. I Mm would liked him coming out of Mississippi State. I think a fourth round draft pick was absolutely warranted for, for what his, what he is. Um, I think he's above average. I think yep. he's above average. He's not a backup quarterback. He's not a great quarterback to be asking for forty million dollars. Now I get it. That's part of the strategy. Yeah. Uh, you know, you turn down thirty, you want forty. Maybe he's looking for thirty-five. You know, maybe, right. that, and that's how you're going to get it. But. I would like to believe that is all strategy and it has nothing to do with what he actually perceives of himself as a player, because if he genuinely believes he's a $40 million quarterback and the Cowboys did pay that, they would be the dumbest team in the history of the NFL to to pay a guy like that, that kind of money. Yeah. What were your thoughts on that?
1: Um, Dwayne Haskins just uh, threw a 55 yard touchdown on a dime. So that's a good thing.
0: There you go. Yeah.
1: um, But to answer your question, um, yeah, I thought it was, I thought that was nuts. I, um, but it also, it's it's tough though. Cause when you analyze all angles at the end of the day, quarterbacks don't grow on trees. So he, while 40 million is overpaid and maybe they settle for 32, which I still think is too high as an organization, you have to ask yourself, do I really want to go back to the drawing board and take a chance in the draft or the free agent market or a trade? And those are, it's really, really hard to do. And that's what gives the quarterback all the leverage in negotiation. That's why Kirk Cousins got 700 million guaranteed. And he's, he's to me in the same ilk as Dak Prescott. I don't view him. I mean, maybe even a tier.
0: I would go lower. with Dak Prescott over Kirk I Cousins. would
1: too. I would too. <laughs> um, that said, you know, Dak, Pre- the, the quarterback position in general, it makes it tough because guys who you're paying like that, just like we mentioned before, there, there's a salary cap here. So now you can't invest either in the defense or in his weapons. So it has to be a guy that makes people around him better. It has to be a guy that, you know, I mean, like, I I, I hate to, to use him as an example, but Aaron Rodgers, like, he did it with guys who weren't the greatest. Like he he wore, he made them better. Like I, I'm I'm still I think we will see one day how good Devontae Adams actually is. And it's not taking anything away from him. He can't control who his quarterback is, but I think I think Aaron Rodgers has made him and other wide receivers just look better. Like Jordy Nelson, I don't think was all that great of a wide receiver. Aaron Rodgers was just that great of a quarterback. You know what right. I mean?
0: Right. And you kind of saw that. Now, obviously injuries played a part in it, but you kind of saw that when he went to the Raiders where he just yeah. was, wasn't very impactful. Right. But I um, use,
1: I use him as an example. James Jones. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Exactly. Um. I mean, Geronimo Allison has had really good games. Randall Cobb, these guys who they're talented. I'm not saying they're bums by any means. They're good players, but he was able to make them a notch above that, and that's what you want out of a quarterback. You're going to give thirty-five or forty million a year to, and you can't do that with Dak. Like he needs talent around him, back.
0: Right. Exactly. Well, he's, he's well. Uh, just to just to jump in, when we're ahead. talking. You know, we're talking about money, and, 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 and there was something um, tweeted out today that was like, uh, you know, quarterback win players with the most amount of quarterback wins since blah 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 blah. Quarterback wins are the dumbest stat, <laughs> and that and they're dumber than Major League Baseball pitching wins and losses. Like yeah, that's how yeah. dumb they are. But I would never pay a quarterback forty million dollars who has yet to win a playoff game. I, I just he's had opportunities and he hasn't done it. He just they they haven't won a playoff game, and I would not pay him until that much money until he does. Well, I mean. I would, if, To take that a step further,
1: I'm not paying a quarterback that much money per year when you can't win because of him. That's Uh, win because of you money. You know what I mean? Like that's Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. Like they they win because of them, not with them. Andrew Locke. Andrew Locke. Yeah, no, absolutely. By all means, he's in that. He's in that. uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson is in that ilk. I, he may be a half notch below those guys. Cause he's had, had some rockier seasons once he's got, not statistically, but like they haven't yeah. done as much winning, but he's still of that ilk. He, he makes it happen. Ben Roethlisberger, they make it happen. And Dak just isn't that guy. So, you know, if I, if I'm him, I have to, I mean, how, it's very hard to look in the mirror at that point. Cause he had, he has win. he does put up, I mean, he has one, he's put up stacks. So it's like for him, he, he probably feels justified. You know, and maybe he does think he's a top five quarterback, but that's tough because, you know, do you have enough money to pay Zeke and Amari Cooper and other, you know, other guys moving forward? I, th- I think um, I think Michael Gallup is going to be a big part of that offense and, and get to get a solid contract in the next three or four years or whenever his rookie deals up. And it's like, can you take average or slightly above average players and do something with them? And he's proven not the offense looked bad until when Zeke was out. The offense and like when, that until, until, Amari, Cooper, yeah, until, until Amari, Amari Cooper got there. there. Yeah. So it's like, am I am I confident that that he can you know that 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 he can do that with average to above average talent around? Him? My answer is no. But like I said, it, it it puts you in a weird predicament as a team because you do know he's a he's a good he's an above average to good quarterback. But it's like. Damn, do you do you want to take the chance and pay him all that money to see if he can take the next step? Or do you want to do it all over again?
0: You know. Well, and you also have to be careful about paying Amari Cooper. It's not just paying Dak Prescott. You also got to worry about paying him. And it's like, yep. how much of that was a flash in the pan with what he did in Dallas? He like, that had was two good insane, games. what he, he did only, in Dallas.
1: But, the, I, but he only had two really good games. The other ones were, were very average to bad.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, so you got so to be makes careful it even harder. of that. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I think that that kind of wraps up the more generic, uh, more yeah. general uh, NFL preseason Week One talk. I
1: did I did want to say this though? Because I Go did want to clarify your point. Because I know what you mean, and I just want to drive that home a little bit more. No, we we want all players to get paid. They they they've earned it. They've played this game, whatever game it is—football, basketball, baseball—their whole life, and they and they all they have earned the right to be millionaires to play these games, right? But. The angle that Jack is talking about is when we're talking about it as fans, we understand what salary cap is and we understand how that's going to affect the team moving forward. So it's not that we're, or or some people are, but people like us, we're not like counting their pockets. He he can't get that time. If there was no salary cap, dude, Dak Ball means get fifty million. A yeah, year.
0: yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. You know what I mean? But when you you have to look at it from the Cowboys' standpoint, you know, it's kind of like when you look back. And this is a random example, like, but when Jason Worth got all that money. Uh, the 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 fans where where did he leave before he went was it Philadelphia he left? Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: He left Philly and they were like, "Hey, we love you, man. Do we're not going to pay you that. We, do, do your thing, you know, go go ahead and right. get your money." You know, what I mean, you he helped us win a World Series and they were happy for him, but they they cuz they understood that there's no salary cap there. You can throw around money like it's Monopoly. It's all it's all guaranteed, but here it's a little bit tougher because of that salary cap, you know. Right. And that exactly. makes
0: it like it's harder because you you're it's it's a it's the most amount of players in any of the organized sports exactly and you also have to use your money wisely and if you invest in a guy you don't feel is has earned it melvin gordon if you're investing all that money in him you're concerned about the future of the team and then your ability to invest in other pieces and it it's just people look at i just feel like people think it's so simple um when it comes to players' contracts, and it never yeah. is. People do care about what people get paid, but they also care about their team. You know what I mean? So, I don't know, Frank. We'll, we'll see yeah. how these contract negotiations go. I'm curious to see how they play out. Um, but other than that, I think uh, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, what Frank and I learned from the Bears' preseason one, week one. You probably were thinking, you guys didn't talk about the Bears at all. What's up with that? <laughs> uh, so, we'll do a little bit of that. And then uh, we'll we'll get into the uh, into the Bears breakdown with the special teams, and then we will close today up with the Cowboys, ironically, and the uh, Eagles' oh, top five favorite players. Uh, we will be right back on Corked Up Podcast, episode number seventeen, with Jack Savio and Frank Nares. And we
1: are back from our quick break. Episode 17, Corked Up Podcast. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at Frankie G. Lyrical. Uh, Jack, you can find him at Jack underscore Savio5 at Corked Up Podcast and at uh, Two Cents Pods. Uh, So to start our second half, we're going to dive right into our thoughts on the Bears Week 1 preseason. I actually think uh, we can touch a little bit, too, on... Um, you know, what we're expecting to see if anything from, uh, the week two game that's coming up here. Um, but the, the biggest thing that I saw, you actually had more takeaways than me. So I just wanted to get mine out. I know you texted me right afterwards. Yeah. Um, David Montgomery is a much different running back than Jordan Howard in a very good way. Yes. Um, yeah. he doesn't, he's not, you know, speed wise, they may be similar. He may be a tad bit but it just seemed like the thing with Jordan Howard is that he had good vision, just kind of straightforward. If that hole was there, he can see it. He went to it. He had it. David Montgomery seems to be a player who, if the hole isn't there, he can see other ways and make better cuts. Um, like I said, speed doesn't blow you away, but damn, is he hard to tackle? He looked. He looked good.
0: That's um, the yeah. That's that's. I'm just gonna interject real quick. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was the that was number one thing for me when it came to David Montgomery was. Um, Yeah, he may be a similar profile to Jordan Howard, uh, but the difference is that when Jordan Howard would get touched on his ankle, he he goes down like he never broke tackles. And that was one of the more frustrating things about him is that he'd have daylight in front of him, but he just needs to get past one guy and he just couldn't do it ever. Um, Whereas David Montgomery, I mean, you see it in practice going up against the number one defense. I get it's practice, but still you're going up against some of the best players in the league. And he's breaking tackles left and right. It takes four guys to, to bring him down. Um, and you saw that in the first game, uh, especially on that touchdown run where he just looked like he knew what he was doing, which I think is number one. Yeah. Um, I, I texted you three things that I had and I had noted from I had learned from the preseason game. And, and number two was that how important he was going to be to this team. Yeah. Whether that's stat-wise, I don't know. I don't know. I just based off of usage, there's only one football. People are expected to get stats, so I'm curious to see how that works. Yeah. Regardless of stats, though, he's going to be an important part to this team, and that was one of the things I learned. Was there anything else you learned besides Dave Montgomery?
1: Um, it was also out of the backfield. Um, Mike Davis looks like a starting running back man. Like yes. yeah, I, we have a <laughs> really good backfield. You yeah. Just do he he. He's a different profile than, um, David Montgomery, but his vision seems to be the same. He's just, he's, he's quicker. He's a little bit more explosive. Um, I'm very curious to see what we do with all the weapons that we have. I, I, I really, really am. Like you said, stat wise, it may disappoint some fantasy owners and maybe one of those things where to be safe, maybe Mitch is the only guy to have, cause he's going to be the one getting the ball to these guys. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that, that was, that was really my, my biggest, oh no, no I did have one more takeaway that I forgot. And I think that this is the one that I texted to you. Um, Chuck Pagano is going to be aggressive. He's yeah. going to be aggressive and I'm here for it. The one thing that I said, and people for whatever, for whatever reason, people don't think I'm objective and I don't understand that. Um, <laughs> I think back to when like Jimmy Butler got traded and everyone's like, oh, boo hoo. And I'm like, I didn't like him and I'm glad he got traded. Maybe we could have got more, but like, but like you're just saying that cause you're mad. And I'm like, okay, like, <laughs> okay, I'll be mad. And then it was the same thing with um, Vic Fangio. Everyone's like, oh, like he's gone. Your defense is going to suck. And I was like, well, we may, but the talent there, I'm not saying Vic didn't do a good job, but it's like, I think talent wise, Mel Tucker could have had this as a top 10 defense, <laughs> but uh, but that's not to take anything away from Vic. He did a really good job and he developed a lot. I, of these guys.
0: I know. I know what you mean.
1: Yeah, but Chuck Pagano, you know, when we got him, the one thing I said was I'm actually very intrigued by this because he has the profile of being very aggressive as a defensive coordinator with creative blitzes. That was the one that Vic Fangio did not do. He he develops the players and gets the players he needs to out-execute an offense. He'll do some stunts on the defensive line. He may inside linebacker blitz every now and then, but Pagano's going to bring the heat. So yardage wise, we may get burned a little bit and, and, and it may not be where we were last year, but I 100% think the turnover rate will be the same or similar or even better. So while we may drop off in yardage, this defense is going to look a lot like the Baltimore Ravens defense from back in the day. And I'm excited for it. He showed a little bit of the blitzes that he's going to bring. I mean, we, we saw um, our inside linebacker. Why am I blanking on his name?
0: Roquan Jesus. Smith. Roquan gets, get a sack.
1: I mean, dude. I'm That's what I'm most excited for to see how different this defense looks. Not that it needed to be different, but just kind of letting these guys do a little bit more with the with how athletic that they are. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. So a couple points. Number one, um, when I first heard that Chuck Pagano was going to be the new Bears defensive coordinator, I was a little disappointed. Uh, mostly just because of my relationship with him when he was the the head coach of the Colts. I was just so tired of his message. I was so up, like ready to be done with him. And then he's right back in my life again. (laughs) Um, But I I think as defensive coordinator, he fits much better. Um, I hope the bears don't start falling into this hole where they're just revolving defensive coordinators because everyone's like, Oh my God, I need Chuck Pagano to be my defensive coach. I think if he doesn't have to develop players uh, like he did in Indianapolis, and he could just like and he could just call plays. I think he's mm-hmm. much better at that than he is at developing guys. Um, there were a ton of time, a ton of Colts players that just just stagnated and didn't develop into the players that they could have been under his leadership. And and a lot of that is drafting, but you know he had say in that too as the head right. coach. Um, so I think as long as he's just focused solely on on co- on coordinating the defense, getting guys into the right position, I think he I think he can do a, a very good job. And it's funny the the second thing I wanted to bring up regarding Pagano was that when we were talking before the game, we were kind of talking, um, you know, what do we what do we expect to learn from Week One? And a lot of it was, uh, you and I were both saying essentially nothing because yeah. we didn't think that we'd we'd we thought we'd see a very vanilla defense of it. But man, Chuck Pagano's like, uh, uh-uh, no, I want to try some shit out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that kind of leads me into what I was most interested by, what I learned the most. And what I'm very excited about is how goddamn good Roquan Smith is going to be this year. He is going, like, if he is not an all pro linebacker, um, if he stays healthy as, you know, as long as he stays healthy, all 16 games, he is going to, like, if he wasn't an all pro, I'd be stunned. I would be stunned if he's not a top tier linebacker by the end of this year. Like, he has it all, man. I mean, you saw him stuffing the run. You saw him with the with the you know, the the chase down of the quarterback. Um he's got ball skills as well. He's just an all around guy, and I've heard I, I it's, obviously it's a little early, but people comparing him already to Brian Urlacher, and it's just like, Jesus Christ, if they found another Brian Urlacher, it just that, it. I'm here for it i'm here yeah. i'm absolutely here for it so that that was kind of the big things um and then the joking was the joking one i sent you was that chase daniels sucks um but that was more for laughs, <laughs> than anything yeah,
1: yeah, yeah people are gonna take that 11 for 13 and and like mitch has one bad game this year and it's like just throw chase in there man <laughs> mitch blows so that's gonna be used against us uh, all year yeah. um actually another thing that that um I did notice as well. Deion Bush has developed nice. He 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 may give Ha Ha Clinton Dix a run for his money uh, 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 on the opposite safety position as uh as Eddie Jackson. That was something that I did see. You've kind of seen him over the last couple of years, and
0: he looks solid. Well, he was one of those guys that that uh, at the end of um what was that the 2016 draft I think seven. 2017? I can't remember now. I think it was 2017. I believe. It was that one of was those the drafts where, round just, where they got a yeah, bunch of... Yeah, they just drafted. They were just like, yeah. I want this defensive back, this defensive yeah. back, this one, and this. And you're just like, okay, whatever. Just, But um, he's the, He's one of those guys who seems to have made it and kind of been able to develop. And that's such a big re- part of it. Like, You can't just expect players to be who they're going to be right away. Yep. People take time to develop. And man, if they could develop him into a into a very solid safety and as maybe a third guy... Um, they're, they're in really good position. And and again, it's, it's all about depth with this league. Um, the last thing I wanted to say, and, and this is going to turn some heads, hopefully in the right way. Um, it's a comparison that I, I I haven't seen a lot of people make, and I'm a little, I'm just curious to see what, what your thoughts are. Um, you know, obviously Ryan Pace's history is with the saints, but this team kind of reminds me a lot of those early day Patriots. Um where they have just a dominating defense, mm-hmm. a quarterback who is still developing. Um, you know, Tom Brady they they you can't tell me they knew that what Tom Brady was going to be. I just I don't buy that. Right. Um right. and then there's just a run game that they like to rotate guys in and out and don't rely specifically on one sort of guy. Um it's it's what the Patriots do now with they have like 17 running backs, but they yeah. all bring something a little bit different. Yeah. And I just I can't help but make some of those comparisons to those those Patriot teams. I'm not saying that this will be a Patriots dynasty. I'm not right, saying that right, Aggies right, right. is as good of a coach as Bill Belichick is. But, like, you just see similarities with how this team is built. And I find it very, very interesting um, in those comparisons.
1: Yeah, um, that would have never crossed my mind. But it's not a bad comparison. I don't I, – I, There there are some parallels with what you said. I will say I think the Bears' defense is better – but I do think the the Bears' offense is probably a notch below even the early developing yeah. um, stages of that. Just because we have so many players that, while we know they're talented, they have to prove it to they us. They have and, to
0: still prove it, yeah.
1: Right. They have to kind of solidify themselves. You know, Allen Robinson still has to show—granted, I, mean, I like him when I saw him last year, but he has to show that he's hands down a wide receiver one. You know what I mean? Like, he showed her in the, in the Eagles game, he showed her in a few different games, uh, one of the Detroit Lions games, but— we need consistency this year. Like, that was the ACL year. Do your thing. But now we need you to be 1,400 yards with Blake Bortles, Allen Robinson again. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> right. I mean, we. I mean, we, a ton of other players. Anthony Miller still has stuff to prove. But, yeah, the thing is, people – some people are going to take that and say it's homerism. We've already explained that we're not saying we're going to be a dynasty. So that's not what we're saying. But when you look at blueprints, there's no other blueprint you should try to have outside of a Patriots one. Why would you take any other – I mean, let's fucking deflate some balls. Let's get some camera system practices. I'm all for it, dude. I'm on record saying that if I don't care if every player gets caught at the end of the year popped for steroids or whatever PED, as long as we win it, this isn't college. They can't take it from us, Jackie.
0: <laughs> but do we wanna be those scu- do we wanna be that scumbag franchise? Do we wanna be that, Frank?
1: Fucking right, we want to be it.
0: <laughs> Why not? No hesitation. No hesitation. Frank no. is here to be a Patriots homer. Jackie, He's- you here's the thing. You know I'm not
1: religious whatsoever, but I do know quite a bit about the Bible. When <laughs> okay, here we go. when when Moses, well, I, but I believe it was
0: Moses. It was someone when he was asked to kill his son. No, dude, that was uh, – no, that wasn't Moses. Well, that, was, wasn't, um, that was Abraham.
1: Abraham, you're right. It was Abraham. Come on, Frank. How do he I know this? He was is a son Abraham? of – well, he was a son of Moses, right?
0: No. What? I don't think so. I, Abraham
1: I, and Moses related somehow.
0: Anyway. No, Abraham is like the main dude. He's like the main guy. No, nah, Moses like was the main they branched off there's
1: different anyway
0: yeah but but he's consistent in all of them we're not going to get into this right now but here so look not so go he, well. make your point
1: so God that may or may not exist today, Abe I need you to kill your son no hesitation he went up there he had the rock down more down from 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 firsthand recollection it was I mean he may have even God, tapped him on just to make sure God was alright. He was being serious.
0: If, if he had been now, if he had been wearing the the regulated helmet, unlike Antonio Brown, he'd be he would
1: have Yeah, he'd be fine. But God said, "You know what? Never mind. I just wanted to see if you trust me." That's how I feel about steroids. You asked me. You said, "Frank, do we want to be that team?" Yes. I'm going to the ledge. I got the rock. I'm killing my boy. As long as it gets me, it gets us to the promised land.
0: <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Well, I I appreciate I appreciate the the dedication. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be the scumbag Patriots. I will I would like to have the success. Them. I want the success. Um, but I don't, I don't want to be the I don't want to be the that's, that's too much. Fair um. So that, I think that pretty much sums <laughs> up what we learned in week one. Um, uh, they do play tomorrow. I believe they play the uh, they play the Giants. Uh, they're yes. playing At the Giants, I want to say in New, in New York. Playing yes. in the dock tomorrow night, uh, so we'll we'll see if uh, any of the starters play. I doubt Mitch Trubisky will play. I, I really doubt I Kyle Long throw. will play. I can't get one throw. No, I don't think you're getting a throw. I got to be honest with you. Um, I don't think Kyle Long will play after trying to kill his teammates with a helmet. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I, I I'm, I'm I don't really know what to expect from this second game. Um, we'll see a lot of backups, which will be nice. Uh, yeah. Kind of get to see what else what what else we have. Um, the last, the very, 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 very last thing before we move on to the Bears breakdown, um, you know, during the week, Emmanuel Hall got cut before official cuts were supposed to be made. Um, yeah. You know, what do you think about that? I thought that was very interesting.
1: Um, I was, it was certainly interesting. It surprised me because while I wasn't all that high on him, like it seemed other people were, because other people were very high on him, I was like, okay, maybe he does have a chance. That said, wide receiver is just a tough position to make on this team. I mean, we we have a really really good and deep core. Um so I wasn't surprised that he was cut. I was surprised at the timing in which he got cut.
0: I think it pretty much um I think it pretty much confirms solidifies the fact that they will be looking to carry five tight ends um just because of the injuries to to adam shaheen they don't know where he's going to be at uh bradley sowell does not he looks like an offensive tackle trying to play tight end he does not look like a fluid tight end so i'm curious to see what happens there um maybe they carry another an additional offensive lineman maybe they go nine linemen i i I think it's pretty much sums it up that they will be carrying an extra tight end or offensive lineman though um yeah yeah, so i guess that that'll do it for for week one um you know we'll obviously talk a little more about week two next on the next episode but um. Let's move right around to the to the Bears' breakdown. Uh, so far, um, we have done the running backs. We have done the tight ends. We did that last week. Uh, we did the offensive line. We did the linebackers. And we did do the defensive backs. So all we have left, Frank, special teams, uh, wide receiver, defensive line, and quarterback. So we're which means we're close to week one, Frank. Bears-Packers, Thursday motherfucking night. Let's I'm go. I'm excited. Uh, but let's continue here with the, with the, uh, bears breakdown special teams. Um, so I, I, did do the projected 53 man roster. This was a few weeks ago. Um, but I still feel confident in it. Um, I have the kicker being, uh, Eddie Pinheiro, uh, mm-hmm. the punter, Patrick O'Donnell, uh, the long snapper, Patrick scales, uh, and then the kick returner. I have Cordero Patterson in that oh, role. Man. Um, and then the punt returner being Tariq Cohen. Um, so we can get into that a little bit right now, um, you know, what are your thoughts on the on the kicking situation? Um, and then I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the kick returner as well.
1: Yeah, I think I mean the kicking situation. It, it, it's very weird because they're two different type of kickers. Piniello clearly has the bigger leg of the two. Yeah. But it, from what we've seen in training camp and uh, certainly that game, it seems like Elliot Fry is the more accurate kicker, especially from you know maybe forty eight in, forty five in. But it's like you, you kind of take the pros with the cons, maybe. I mean, because that's what we thought we were getting in Cody Parker, not the 60 yarder, but a guy who can 49 in. He's, he's dead on. Right. That's what we thought we were getting. Right. So Elliott Fry seems to be that mold. But it's like, you know, if there are two seconds left on the clock five or five seconds left on the clock, we have a chance to get a 15 yard out route and it's going to be a 63 yarder. Can Elliot do that? You know what I mean? Where it's like we know Pinheiro can, but he may be a little bit more hit or miss from inside of 50. You know what I mean? Or even outside, but just we just know he has that leg. Um, so I'm curious. I, I, I'm I seeing reports with, I mean, it seems very split down the middle. Some people yeah. think Fry's going to take it. Some people think Pinheiro. I am just curious, though, because I think both have done a good job, and I think both, whoever wins it is, will have earned it. I'm curious to see what Nagy what, – what's going to be, like, the defining
0: – The determining factor. The determining factor yeah.
1: as to why he picks it. And maybe he never tells us, but he's been very open about things, so I think he would, and I'm I'm curious to see what that is. um I don't really have a prediction. I really don't for that I, I, I because I just feel like they're so different that it's going to depend – it may even come down to, like, do we feel like our offense can consistently get us to four, 50 yards and in on field goals? And then maybe you go with Fry for that reason. Uh, so I, I, we'll, we'll see. Um I am curious to see about the the, the punt and kick returners. Um I think I, you're probably right Cordero Patter, Patterson will be kick returner. Um Tari Cohen will be punt returner, but we've seen Cohen do both. We've seen Cordero Patterson do both in places that he's at. We've seen Eddie Jackson do punt return. You know what I mean? Um I mean from from what I've heard um who is the Oh no, that was that was uh the guy we just cut. He was a specialist. He's not going to be there never mind. Um, but yeah, I, I'm curious to see what they do in for different situations. Last year, uh, Cohen seemed to only be on kickoff when they really, really felt like they needed him to break off for 60 yards and he managed to do it almost every yeah. single time. Um, so yeah, I'm curious to see how that is. I, 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 I joked off air, but it was only really a semi joke. I can see it being a point where it's like, let's rock, paper, scissors before the game to see who gets what duty. Cause like all these guys are really good at that. Like Cohen and Patterson could just if they were just specialists punt and kick return, like they would still add immense value to any team. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm very curious um, about that. I I have seen people and I don't know how much of a joke it's been with the long snapper situation. Uh, I'm sure you can, maybe I, I've kind of looked over threads and seen things, but I, just assume they were joking, but it seemed like they were a little bit worried about anything. Do you have any take on, on the long snapper situation?
0: No, I don't care about the long snapper. Okay, at all. Okay. It literally doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. as, as much as you know, Patrick Scales did deal with a leg injury, but they replaced him pretty much seamlessly, and we never heard of that story again. Right. It'll be fine. Um, I'm curious to get your thought on this. Uh, you, when I made this list, it was you know way before training camp had even started, Um. I got to be honest, after watching both kickers, I would not be surprised if the kicker for the 20, for this upcoming season, isn't even on the bears roster right now. They may be in a situation where they're looking for teams to cut kickers and then sign them through the preseason. Um, Yeah. Like you said, I'm not sold on either one of them. I'm not sold on Pinheiro. I'm not sold on Elliott or on, on Fry. So if that's the case, Maybe they're I mean, they they were in the market for that guy from Baltimore mm-hmm. who, the, who the Vikings traded a, a full fifth round pick. It was going to be a compensatory fifth round pick from the Bears. Um, and they were like, uh, no, we'll take the full the guaranteed fifth round right pick from the Vikings. Yeah. Why right. would we do that? Um, so it, it's clear that they're still looking for a kicker. Um, so I'm not 100 percent convinced that they're not so that they're not sold on either one of these guys either. Yeah. Uh, you know, do you think that there's a chance that the Bears kicker is not on this roster?
1: Yeah, no, there's certainly a chance. The thing that's weird is that I'm not sold, but I'm not not sold either because I have liked what I've seen as well. Yeah. But it still seems like neither one of them have really... And and it could just be because they're both mirroring each other to a degree. So maybe if only one of them was in camp, we'd be like, hey, this guy's doing great. But since there's two of them and they have been doing pretty well, it's like, who do we really go with here? So um, in terms of that, yeah, I, I, I think it is a possibility... Conspiracy me does feel like they just kind of floated that report to get these to like light a fire in and, and these guys' asses. I, I I do think they're gonna pick between these two, but it's okay. not. It, it won't be out of the realm of possibilities that they do go elsewhere.
0: Yeah, um, I I think Patrick O'Donnell is gonna be just to kind of can at least talk a little bit about the punter. Um, you know, I think Patrick O'Donnell will be an important factor of this team. Mega um, like punt, baby. Yeah, he, he needs to kind of get back to doing that. He had a very good season last year. He, he was very effective. Um, but I want to see a little bit more consistency from him because, um, I mean, all you have to do is pin them at the 10-yard line and let this defense do their job. Like, yeah, I, I think he'll be effective. And then I, I think Cordell Patterson is is pretty much a lock to be at least the kick returner because um, that that part of the game isn't as effective as it used to be anymore. Punt right. returner, I think, matters a little bit more. And I think we'll see guys rotate in and out like you were kind of joking about the rock, paper, scissors stuff. Um, I think we'll see a bunch of different guys in that in that role. Um, just depending on the matchup, depending on how who who's hot, who isn't. And I think you yeah. will kind of ride that out a little bit. Um, I think that kind of does it, though, for the special teams aspect. I kind of wanted to get it out of the way. Yeah. Um, so, I will uh, say this
1: with all the weapons yeah. that they have, I would love to see what Dave Tobe. he was very creative with a lot of stuff when he yeah. had Johnny Knox and Devin Hester. Like, I would love to see what he can do with some of these guys on.
0: He's, he's one teams. of those guys who's always talked about being, um, like a head coach. So we'll, we'll know. see what happens. Yeah. Um, t- but, uh, next week we're going to continue the bears breakdown. Uh, we have the, uh, we're lining up to do the wide receivers next week, uh, which I know is one of the deepest groups uh, for the bears. And we'll, I've been looking forward to talking about this one for a while. I think that's kind of why we pushed it off a little bit. Um, so we'll get to that. Uh, but to close out this week's edition of the corked up podcast, episode 17, uh, we are going to go ahead and, uh, move on with our top five favorite NFL players, starting with the NFC East. Uh, this week we got the Cowboys and the Eagles. Obviously next week we will have the giants and the team from Washington. Um, so Let's get started, Frank. Uh, do you want to go? Do you want to start with the Cowboys and then I'll start with the Eagles? How you want to play it?
1: Um, I know yeah, you're a I'll, huge
0: Cowboy fan. That
1: I'm not. But, uh, <laughs> let's so let's let's go Cowboys. I'll start first with a number five, and then we'll we'll go back and forth from there. Okay. Awesome. So Cowboys, uh, number five for me, um, is re- receiver who. I I'm, I don't know how he didn't dominate for longer than he that he, he had a, a few good years really spliced together in the middle and then you know kind of tailed off. I know injuries played a part, but Des Bryant for me was very fun to watch. Um, had all the physical tools. Reminded me his play style reminded me a lot of T.O. He doesn't have the the longevity or the stats. I'm not comparing them resume wise, just the way they played. Um, very very exciting player to watch. Des Bryant number five for me.
0: Des Bryant is on my list, so we will get to that a little bit later. Um, Number five for me is a guy that we've actually talked about today, um, Dak Prescott. Uh, I talked a little bit about him coming out of the the draft from Mississippi State. I really did like him as a quarterback. Um, When he got drafted, I knew there was a chance he could win that job for the Cowboys, and uh, he's – He's been a very, I know I talked about him not being a, a $40 million quarterback, which I, I don't think he is, but he is one of my favorite Cowboys. He's a very likable guy as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very good leader. Makes the Cowboys at least entertaining to watch. And, uh, you know, it doesn't make me want to vomit every time I hear him talk. Um, so, yeah, Dak Prescott, number five for me, Frankie.
1: Yeah. I, he almost made my list because I do enjoy watching him play. Um, his comments about the kneeling stuff really brushed me the wrong way. And that, that that I'm not going to lie because these are personal favorites. That was the one I was just like, come on, I get it. You're Jerry's dude. But like, if you're going to say that, just shut up about it. You know what I mean?
0: I I, I stand for, for blue lives. Okay.
1: Jesus Christ.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I stand. I make the stand. I'm Jerry Jones. I'm kneeling one second and then standing up saying, Oh, Oh, what do you mean? You're going to kneel. You're not going to kneel. Fuck them. Fuck well, him, that's scumbag. what I say. Do we um, really have to talk about this scumbag organization? We do, unfortunately. Um,
1: number four for me, a, a guy who, honestly, I know he may have not have showed up in the bigger moments uh, fairly consistently, but when you look at his stats, man, this is one of the best quarterbacks of his era. Y- you know, underrated dude um, has turned into a really good analyst. Tony Romo is number four for me. Did we match again, Jackie?
0: Keeping, keeping the streak going, Frank. Let's fucking go. Uh, number four for me, Tony Romo, a guy who I I did not like for a very long time until probably towards the end of his career. And then I started to really appreciate the things that he was doing. Um, this guy is, I mean, the, the story that he, he, Eastern Illinois, a guy no one really right. knew anything about. And he just came on and absolutely took over that franchise and was their guy for a long time. Um, I think it's a little unfair uh, of what people say about the playoff stuff. Um, he takes a little too much heat for that. Uh, there were other guys, especially, you know, certain players, Terrell Owens, who didn't really show up in the playoffs. He just <laughs> didn't really, they didn't help him. There were other guys to it. And I think that's that's the most unfair thing that does happen to uh, quarterbacks is like, I know I talked about it with Dak not paying him $40 million for not winning a playoff game. And I still think that's fair. But, to just assume a quarterback is isn't clutch or isn't good because they don't play well in the playoffs. I don't, I just don't think that's fair in, in what is ultimately an, the ultimate team game. Um, Tony Romo was very good for a very long time. And I think he deserves a lot more respect. And I think, I think people are giving are realizing just how good he was now that he's kind of taken a step back and entered into a wonderful career as a fucking uh, genie essentially when it comes to calling <laughs> plays. It's insane. But yeah, Tony yeah. Romo, Number four for me.
1: Absolutely. Uh, So number three for me um, was really his safety net—a guy who, when he needed to get a first down, he went to. um, You know, one of the best tight ends of his era. I don't think he gets mentioned enough, even though I don't think he's better than these guys. But I think he's in the same ballpark as the uh, Antonio Gates, as the Tony Gonzalez. Like I said, they're better. But Jason Witten, you know, as bad as he was at. Monday night football. He certainly was really good on the field. And, um, I mean, just as sure-handed as they come great red zone target. Uh, I mean, route tree for a tight end. It was very, very good. Yeah. Um, you know, knew when to, he, he was really good at being on the same page with Tony Romo in terms of like, am I going to sit down on this defense? Am I going to do a dig? Am I going to do an out? You know, am I going to do a post route? And, and they would even say like, we would have three options for routes, and we would just both be on the same page and get it done. So, like, that in itself was incredible, but very fun player to watch. Jason Witten, number three.
0: Number three for me uh, is a guy who, um, like your number five, didn't really play a whole lot for the Cowboys, but when he did, he was an absolute monster. And, you know, you could say a lot of it was the offensive line. I don't really care. Uh, DeMarco Murray. I mean, when he was – you kind of saw – people were like, Oh, it's just the offensive line. Let's just throw Darren McFadden back there. Yeah. How'd that work out for you? Like, yeah. No, Marco Murray was a very, very good fit for that offense. Um, just kind of in a perfect scenario at the perfect time. Um, you know, he had all the ability he had the. he was able to make cuts. He was able to score a touchdown. Like he was just, he was incredible in that one season he had where he was just, he was like an angel touching the football. It was absolutely insane. Um, yeah, DeMarco Murray, 100% number three for me.
1: Good choice. He just missed my list, so he did not make mine. Number two for me, um, one of the best best pass rushers uh, of all time. Um, I think you used him. You may have used him for your Broncos list. I'm using him here for my Cowboys list, uh, DeMarcus Ware. Um, I mean, he really made his name in Dallas. Just uh, a freak athlete, high energy, big motor, got to the quarterback, pressured the quarterback, I, I mean, what what more can I say about him? Demarcus Ware, number two for me.
0: Number two for me is Demarcus Ware. I did I saved him from the Broncos Okay, you list saved him. Okay, to okay. Use him for the Cowboys list yeah. because it's just like, I when I think of Demarcus Ware, even though I obviously appreciate everything he did, winning that Super Bowl or helping winning that Super Bowl for Peyton Manning. Um, when you, when you say Demarcus Ware, I think Cowboys. Um, he's just oh, yeah. he was. He was just fantastic. Like, you said it all you needed to say, and I, I'm just going to cut it there. Demarcus Ware, number two for me, Frankie.
1: Uh, number one for me, man, you know, probably one of the biggest feminists around, does a lot for the community. Greg Hardy. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, Jackie. Uh, number crack- one
0: for me. Uh, Cracked uh, woman th- skulls up the side of their head.
1: Jesus. Uh, Number one for me, uh, uh, probably the best running back in football right now. You can certainly make a case for him, Ezekiel Elliott. This dude just produces, man. I I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought he – the thing with me is I'm not one of those people who has a take and then tries to hang on to it for dear life. Players have changed my mind, and they become one of my favorite players because of that. Yeah. He got drafted. I thought he was overdrafted, and I was like, I don't know about a running back. It's not that I thought he was bad, but I'm just like, ugh. But damn, I mean, he's he's earned it. He <laughs> produces. I mean, this dude is a baller. I, I mean, just when you look at his per 16, because he hasn't played too many seasons of, of all six, but 103 yards a game. I mean, this yeah. dude is a, he's a fucking freak, man. He, he He's an animal. Fun to watch Zeke Elliott. Number one for me.
0: I mean, if he's not the number one running back in the league, then it has to be Saquon. Like he has to be nipping at Saquon Barkley's heels because he. I mean, the three
1: the three that you have right right now would be Zeke, Christian McCaffrey, and uh, Saquon. Is that that's a three? It's funny how
0: far and fast Todd Gurley has fallen because I mean we were talking about it makes it tough. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, number one for me, Frank. X him out. Des motherfucking Brian. I don't care how long he fucking played, dude. When he touched uh, the ball, yeah. he was so goddamn electric. Like, the personality, I loved. I honestly loved it. Like, at first, I was like, God, this guy's fucking annoying. It's because he was a cowboy, but, you oh, know, yeah. I, I, he's, he really grew on me. Like, kind of the way that Ezekiel Elliott did for you. Yeah. Um, Des was just a beast, man. He caught everything. Um, I, I, he brought a lot of fun, but he also brought, like, passion to it. It wasn't just, cl- like, he wasn't a clown. He wasn't T.O. He wasn't, you know, Ocho Cinco. He was the guy that was going to go out and win because he wanted to win. Yeah. Um, it's really sad how his career has kind of tapered off here. Um, But, man, he, I mean, you know, I hope he gets a chance. Wasn't he with the Saints and then he tore his Achilles? Like the yeah.
1: first or second practice. Yeah, yeah. It was.
0: so hopefully he can make a comeback. Um, I, I, need, to, I need to see some more axes being thrown around there, Frank.
1: Absolutely. So to so, run down uh, my list. Yeah, go ahead. Um, Yeah, five for me, Des Bryant, four, Tony Romo. Uh, Tony Romo is half Mexican, so that's always a good thing as well. Uh, Three, Jason Witten, two, DeMarcus Ware, and one, Ezekiel Elliott.
0: Uh, I got one, Des Bryant, two, DeMarcus Ware, three, DeMarco Murray, four, Tony Romo, and five, Dak Prescott. Uh, So we will go ahead and jump into the Eagles list. Um, I will start this list. Uh, Frank, there's going to be a guy missing on this list, and he, he was cut off right at the end, but I'll get to him later. Uh, number five for me, and this is solely because of one playoff game uh, that he had. Nick.
1: Foles. Oh, come Nick, on, Jeff! You know how
0: I love my average to below average quarterback. <laughs> you do. You do. Uh, but dude, Nick Foles, I mean, his his career is is it's such a cool story where he gets drafted by the Eagles. He plays pretty well for Chip Kelly, um, but then they make a change. He doesn't really fit in, so they trade him off to St. Louis. And Jeff Fisher's like, oh. I got my quarterback, baby. He uh doesn't really play very well. Um the people are just like, "Man, Nick Foles sucks." Comes back to the Eagles is like he, he considers retiring. He's like, "You know what? No, I'm going to go play for the Eagles." Gets an opportunity, wins them a fucking Super Bowl. Like it's it's the craziest thing that's happened, it especially is. when they had Carson Wentz where it's like you have this guy, he's your franchise quarterback, but you're also then, you get, then the, the backup who was going to retire after you shipped him off already comes in and, and wins you the Super Bowl. Um, that game against the Patriots was one of the, my favorite games of all time uh, because fuck the Patriots. I'm tired of seeing their dumb asses <laughs> win. Um, and, and seeing that Nick Foles was the one to do it, to make Tom Brady look like a fucking loser, was absolutely incredible. Nick Foles, number five forever. In my heart, Frankie. I, I, he may Top be number five. one.
1: Top five, and he's not four, three, two, or one. All right. um, Number five for me is a guy who I think once his career is over with, he's going to be in the same conversation as your Tony Gonzalez, as your Antonio Gates. Um, I think he's the best tight end in the game today. Um, Over Travis Kelsey, it's close. I, I'm, I'm here for the argument for Travis Kelsey. They're definitely neck and neck. But Zach Ertz for me, this dude just gets out there and dominates. I mean yeah. – when you look at how talented Trey Burton is and because Zach Ertz is so talented and he may even do this to Dallas, Goddard as well. He delegates these guys to like a super backup role that, yeah. you know what I mean, like they can't even show how good they are and they are good. Like Dallas Goddard, I think is a good player. I think Trey Burton is a good player, but he couldn't show that until he came to the bears. And it's like, Zach Ertz is just so damn good. You know, he's kind of holding these guys back, but Zach Ertz number, uh, number five for me.
0: I like that one. Uh, number four for me, um, I'm taking him off the Falcons list. No Falcons for this player because um of what he became as an Eagle. Mike Vick. Wow. Mike Vick. Dude, here's the thing. I, I like redemption stories and, and here's something I want to make very clear. I own a dog, okay? I'm not I'm not just casual about what he did what what he did to get arrested what he did to ruin his career as a falcon um but people who are just so quick to be like oh my god how could you like it realize what he's done since then he's yeah. a he's a guy who has put in the work to change and realize like holy fuck like what a piece of shit i was like he he he's done he's done a lot of like charity stuff like that when it comes to that he's he's done everything you would want a guy who went through something like that to do to make that change? Um, but specifically as a football player, Mike Vick watch, watching Mike Vick revive his career in Philadelphia was one of the most incredible things I, I think we'll ever see uh, in our lifetime. Like, the, I mean, the, he still had the running speed, he still had the arm strength, like, he still could make the passes. He was just an electric player, and it, you know, obviously it ended. Uh, not very, not very well, but he was a perfect fit for Chip Kelly's offense when that, when they made that switch. Um, so yeah, Mike Vick, just, just for a lot of the other stuff, not necessarily just football, but, um, just seeing him revive his career with the Eagles will, will be, will, yeah. Number four for me.
1: Fair. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's going to make my Falcons list. I don't think that's a, that's a shocker to to anyone that he was going to make either Eagles or, or Atlanta. Um, I will say this though before I move on that the thing that I have, that people have to also understand is that and this isn't me justifying anything. Things like that are just normalized to some people. That's just kind of the way they so while he was doing bad things, he was doing it so normal that it just shows me that that was the way he grew up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And when you when you speak more so uh and I don't want to get like I said too deep, but when you speak on a spiritual level, when you really think about you know, where humans came from when we are, for, homo sapien came from 75,000 years ago. There's never been a right or a wrong. Like we, there were small packs of us that were just killing each other because they looked funny when they were born or yeah. they got too old and like they couldn't survive winter storms anymore. So it's like, I'm not trying to attribute to all that, but things get normalized in in, in, in certain people's lives. And, and, you know, it seems, but just like you said, he's one of those dudes who definitely put the work in uh, beyond that. And I think if you still hate him for that, you just don't want to see people change. Like change means nothing to you. Right. But
0: they're the people who will beg for second chances if it's their favorite player.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so number four for me, a guy who, I mean, just a barn burner, you're talking about goal routes galore, probably the fastest receiver I've ever seen. Uh, six, 240 pounds Deshaun Jackson. Um, mm. I mean, he's even gone to, he went to, to Tampa and, and balled out. I mean, this dude is just the deep threat of all deep threats. Um, I mean, even held his own kind of as the number one receiver in Philly for a couple of years. You know what I mean? Like he just did his thing. Um, number and and as a return man, I mean. You I was gonna you say I'll never. As well. I'll yeah. never
0: forget that game where they. Against, against Dallas. Against no 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 against the well, Giants. You're right. The, the Medall- Gi- I knew it was a division game. Yeah, the Giants, yeah, you're right. You're right. He knocked them out of the playoffs, and they. Yeah. yeah it was,
1: insane. That was one. And of then. The greatest- um, Tom yeah.
0: Coughlin was just chewing out that punter. That was so funny. He he fumbles the ball, picks it up and he just he just go. It was incredible. One of the it's best i I've ever seen. Um number 3 for me is a wide receiver as well. Um a guy who I had to put on a list at somewhere. I just I didn't He's know what team. Mind. I know who you're going with. T.O. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I I when I think of T.O. I think Eagles. I think him in the in the Super Bowl with the ankle uh still putting on a show. Um absolutely incredible. Um, and you know, you know, of course you got to think about the sit-ups in the driveway, all that good stuff incredible. as well. Incredible. Uh, T.O. is he'll be, I had his, I had his Eagles jersey. So that, that's what I'm going to ride with Frankie.
1: Absolutely. I'm, I'm pretty sure I, I considered him for both lists. I think he's going to make my Niners list and I'll explain why when we get there. Wait, well, I think he has something unless It's going to be, uh, I mean, we went over Buffalo and he, he has to make my Niners list. So number three well, for me. You,
0: yeah, he didn't make your Bengals list either. What the hell? No, I know.
1: I know. <laughs> uh, number three for me as a guy, when we talk about, I mean, we've said this about a couple of other players, but he would fit so well in today's uh, NFL. A little bit smaller, but just so dynamic, could catch the ball out of the backfield, can run in between the tackles. Brian Westbrook. And when I looked at his stats, I thought they were better than they were because I remember his impact being very high for that team. You know, when he played, his running stats weren't the greatest, but his receiving stats, I mean, he was getting yeah. five hundred plus yards yeah. every year. And I think of someone like that, imagine him in a naggy offense. Yeah. I mean, that's Dave, that's what I want David Montgomery to be. I want him to be that. I don't need the fifteen hundred rushing yards. Give me nine hundred, you know, nine hundred rushing and five to six hundred receiving. And then Tyreek Cohen get me two hundred rushing and seven, eight hundred receiving. Like I get that out of those two guys. I mean, that was Brian Westbrook. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: Excuse me. Uh, number two for me is a guy who uh, did play in this era of football and has what benefited from it greatly. Uh, Shady McCoy. Um, when you think of running backs in this era of football, where where the running back position wasn't as valued, with the you know guys not getting drafted until the second round, so like the third round, like it was, it was crazy. Um, Shady McCoy still carried a buttload uh, of the of the work, and he was great at it, and he still he's still very good. He's not great anymore in Buffalo, but he was, he was the Eagles for a while. He was their offense when they were trying to figure it out still. Um, Yeah. Shady McCoy. Absolutely for me.
1: Yeah. Great choice. Number two for me, um, a quarterback who I, I just, when I was growing up, I loved him. I hated that he beat the bears uh, really, really badly in '01. one Donovan McNabb. This dude, Very, very, I think underrated in the grand scope of things. Um, You know, he 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 really started to break that mold of the black quarterback like he was he was a solid athlete, but he was a pocket passer. He could roll out. He could make the throws on the run, but he wanted to stick in the pocket and he was an accurate passer. He broke that silly, stupid, ugly stigma that black quarterbacks are just athletes that they can't analyze defense, just all the racist shit from that came from probably the 40s, 50s, whatever, 60s. I mean, but he really broke that because he beat teams in the pocket consistently. That's what he did. Um, he even kind of broke the stigma of small hands. He had small hands coming out of college, and he could grip a football like anyone else could and let it rip. So, uh, But I loved I love watching him play. Donovan McNabb, uh, awesome player. Number two for me.
0: Number one for me is Donovan McNabb, um, all-time favorite Eagle. Like He's just someone you just wanted to watch. Um, and, yeah, uh, obviously him beating the Bears wasn't very fun. Um, but he did it to everybody. Like he, he just yeah, him carrying that team, that that Eagles team to the Super Bowl where they lost to the Patriots, um, was just so impressive, and he was such a good fit, um, you know, in in that in that system, um, the system that obviously has been working for for a very good long time now. Yeah, um, but I think Donovan McNabb was one of the better quarterbacks. Uh, to play in that system, so and he's still, you know, he wasn't great for Washington, but he he still played pretty well for the Vikings as well when he got an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, but he, yeah, always will be the Eagle for me. So number one. Absolutely.
1: Don- number one for me. Um, as weird as it sounds, Donovan McNabb is definitely the Eagle for me as well, but he just didn't make number one because I have an affinity for safeties. Uh, Brian Dawkins number one for me. I was actually surprised he didn't make your list. Is that the guy that that? Cut off. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he was like five. Eight, he was like five, he would have he he would have been over uh, Nick Foles, but Nick Foles won a Super Bowl against the Patriots. Fair. So any fair. any player who wins a Super Bowl over the Patriots is gonna be high on my list, Frank. Yeah, it's just gonna fair. happen.
1: But no, Brian Dawkins for me. I I just remember being younger and getting into to these debates between John Lynch and yeah. Ed Reed and Brian Dawkins, and then you know I always would slot in Mike Brown in that conversation and. You know what I mean? Like, the, there were so many good safeties when we were younger. And he was just another one of those dudes that was such a ball hawk. Like, this dude was so good. I mean, he solidified that whole secondary. Like, he just kept everyone honest. Like, no one wanted to go deep on the Eagles because Brian Dawkins was going to pick you off if you
0: did. Plus, he had a really cool nickname. Weapon X is a, is a sick – That's a He's, that's a great nickname.
1: I mean, he was, like – if I had to describe his play style, he was a sniper. You know what I mean? Like he just, he, he did a little bit of everything and, and, but like excelled in everything. It wasn't like how Matt Forte was just good at everything. He was great at everything. Brian Dawkins was great at everything. Like he was insane. Uh, So he, he was, he was number one, number one on my list.
0: Yeah. So, uh, very interesting list that we have there, Frank, uh, Donovic McNabb, LaShawn McCoy, Tio, uh, Michael Vick. And then, um, and then Nick Foles for me was, was my top Man, You had three quarterbacks. Well, wow. uh I, did. Me, I, 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 you, I love middle and quarterbacks, what yeah. can I say?
1: Yeah. So Brian Brian Dawkins, Donovan McNabb, Brian Westbrook, Deshaun Jackson, and Zach Ertz, uh for me.
0: All right. Awesome. Well, uh, Frank, that that pretty much wraps it up here uh, for this week's edition of the Corked Up podcast. Uh, next week for the top five players, we will continue the NFC East with the Giants and uh, and Washington. I'm very curious about this Washington list, Frank. Um, there, there haven't really been a whole lot of great players. Uh, there's one I can think of will probably be my number one. And then after that, I have no idea who will come after that. So uh, we will we will get to that next week um and we will continue of course the bears breakdown with the wide receivers uh so look forward to that we'll talk about the uh the priest the, uh, the bears preseason two uh what we learned from the giants game um and then we will hopefully know a little bit more about where the cubs are after dominating the phillies tonight um frank go to bed happy i love you happy birthday enjoy Thank yourself you. and i will talk to you next week man yeah and
1: then before we get out of here i fucking wish i would have. Re- I just had a long day and wish I said this at the beginning. I do want to give a uh, happy birthday shout out to Aramius uh, Ozgadam, a.k.a. Uh, one of my favorite human beings ever, Nipsey Hussle, who uh, we lost this year. Uh, I'm definitely still in mourning about that. Not only one of my favorite rappers, but just a beautiful soul. If you guys made it this far, even if you never listened to his music, just listen to his interviews, listen to to, to where his mind was. Um, you know, especially in regards to his home, which was L.A., Compton more specifically. Um, so, yeah, happy birthday, Ermius. Um, You know, we, we everyone that was a fan of you, whether it, whether it was musically or just of you as a human being, which I was both, we definitely still miss you.
0: For sure. Frank, I am straight out of Compton. Um, <laughs> just, just remember that. Uh, but no, this is a great episode. I, I look forward to talking with you next week. Um, Thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Uh, Hit us up on Twitter, of course. Frank is probably going to post this to YouTube again, hopefully. Um, And then uh, we will talk to you guys next week.
1: Absolutely. Later, everyone.
0: Have a good night.